Welcome back to another episode of Win Championship Repeat Boston Sports Podcast. And on this week's episode, we are going to be looking at the Boston Red Sox and specifically one player who could be Rookie of the Year and also a closer who could be revitalizing his career at an old age. And then we're going to be looking at game number six uh, and game number seven of the Celtics Philadelphia round two series and how um, that is going um, and where we are at um, with uh, the Celtics going into um, this playoffs now. So uh, I want to kind of get started with um, a little bit on the Red Sox and we'll go from there. So one of the Red Sox uh, biggest acquisitions this offseason, and this honestly is uh, paying dividends already, is uh, Japanese outfielder Mastaka Yoshida, who is uh, a left fielder for the Red Sox and looks like he could be in the Rookie of the Year conversation with a 306 average, six home runs, 24 RBIs, uh, an on-base percentage of .895. So he is uh, tied for 22nd in average, tied for 53rd in home runs, tied for 24th in RBIs, and tied for 21st in O. Uh, PS. Now, he's definitely not going to be MVP material, um, but as, you know, a very good rookie in the American League, could be Rookie of the Year in the American League, and probably the way he's playing, and if it stays like this, should be. And I think he came over as one of the top sort of free agent options, Japanese uh, imported uh, players, uh, and is kind of getting his footing in America with the Red Sox and has kind of stepped into his role with this team very well and you know he's a great player and he's trying to help this Red Sox team do exactly what they can and you know the Red Sox are in a pretty solid spot um, the tough part about the Red Sox in general is the fact that they're so good yet they have Toronto and you know the Orioles and Tampa Bay who are also so good and you'd think like if you have this record on a normal, you know, season, you might be top two in the uh, AL East, but this year you have Tampa Bay and you have two other teams underneath them that are just so good as well, and it's very, um, very uh, interesting to watch. Also, uh, the Yankees, who are right behind the Red Sox, are still, you know, better than a lot of the American League teams out there, and so this could be a year where uh, the AL East comes out with the wild card spots and a team in uh, the AL East, uh, when it comes to the playoffs, because you got the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, they're all kind of like uh, fighting their way through it, and the Yankees are not too far behind the Red Sox, and so, you know, uh, it's uh, a lot of uh, baseball being played, still a lot of baseball left, but Yoshida has been sort of a bright spot for the Red Sox, and I don't know what people really expected the Red Sox to be coming into this, and I think Yoshida coming in was one piece of this puzzle, and sort of another piece of this puzzle that has been making um, headwaves uh, for the Red Sox is Kenley Jansen, who at 35 years old has been helping their team out so much and has been sort of the closer that they really haven't had since uh, the stardom of Craig Kimbrell for the Red Sox during that championship run. And so Jansen has kind of had a revitalization a little bit of his career because he was a very good Dodgers closer and he was a big part of their team for a while and then kind of bounced around a little bit and, you know, now has uh, nine saves, a 3.09 ERA, uh, 17 
uh, Ks uh, in a 1.46 uh, win percentage, um, which, I mean, it's not, uh, not too bad. And so he has kind of been helping out this bullpen. And last year we had so many issues with our bullpen and our relievers and closers and everything. And we added a few guys with Jansen kind of being that star point of it and has kind of stepped in. Because I think in sort of uh, baseball, you need a good closer. Relievers kind of come and go, but a good closer is um, important. And so uh, that is um, that is uh, pretty solid, um, having a good closer who can really kind of step in. Um, and, you know, it's important. And unfortunately, uh, you know, there hasn't been a ton of that for Boston. And that's kind of caused for some some issues uh, so for the Red Sox this has been perfect um, and so Jansen has filled in very nicely with this team and you know they're looking um, you know they're looking pretty solid uh, as an organization overall and there are some holes I think you know there is uh, maybe some issues at the catching spot. Um, and, uh, that's obviously something that will need to be eventually, uh, figured out whether that is Connor Wong kind of stepping into that role or whether that's Reese McGuire taking a step forward or they go out and get somebody else. Cause that's always an option as well, but their relievers are doing solid. Um, their starters, not terrible. Uh, I think we're doing better than we would have expected. Um, especially with kind of how things, uh, we're looking, at least when we started um, the offseason, and even with some of our signings, everyone was a little upset, obviously, with Xander leaving and whatnot, and it's kind of worked itself out. Obviously, there's injuries, but, you know, I can't really say that I'm complaining um, because I think we're overall, you know, a solid team right now, and unfortunately, like I said, the East, uh, American League East is just so... Uh, so much going on that uh, it's obviously very um, competitive in that regard. And so we're going to have to really kind of fight um, to get that spot. And it's important um, for us to, to kind of get into the playoffs uh, when we really weren't expected to. And so that's kind of what I have to say on that. And so it is only May and there is a whole summer's worth of baseball left. Uh, and then kind of playoffs in the sort of uh, fall of uh, baseball season, uh, but right now things aren't too terrible and you know, we're kind of uh, Taking it one day at a time and it seems like it's working uh, out for us So I want to switch gears and look at the last two games of this Boston Celtics Philadelphia 76ers series Now the Celtics needed a sixth game win in order to extend their season and with the way that this playoffs has been for Boston sports teams in general, with the Bruins losing in the first round and, you know, kind of the Celtics in this spot, everyone is hoping for something. And um, they're hoping for a victory when it counts. And it's one of those things where, uh, for the Celtics, um, you know, this was a do-or-die situation. And they showed us that they're not going to give up this easy. And it started with a very strong game. So they basically were rolling through their opponents in the first half. Uh, and then they kind of, in the third quarter, lost a step, and Philadelphia kind of got themselves back into contention 
Fourth quarter was all Boston, and the Celtics ended up winning 95-86 to was the final um, in this sixth game. Marcus Smart was the leading point getter with 22 for the team, but everyone was focused on Tatum's lackluster performance in the first half and in the third quarter, and then getting his his hot hand in the fourth. Uh, He had 19 points and 9 rebounds in the game. Uh, And you would say that's not a terrible game, but knowing that he only scored most of those points in the fourth quarter kind of makes you kind of question the situation. I'm pretty sure he only had uh, three points up until the fourth quarter and then kicked it into high gear from there. And so, um, you know, for Tatum, it started off not so great and people were criticizing and then he kind of turned it around as a first team all NBA guy should. We saw Robert Williams almost had a double-double. He had 10 points and 9 rebounds. We saw 22 for Marcus Smart, as I said, leading score. 17 for Jalen Brown with uh, 6 rebounds. And we ended up seeing uh, Brogdon, who had 16 points, and Derek White, who had 9 points. And everyone else did not play, including Grant Williams. Uh, So this was um, the Celtics team. Uh, Smart played 42 minutes. Tatum played 43. Um, So everyone kind of... Uh, in the starting lineup got uh, more than 30 points except for Robert Williams and Brogdon kind of got 30 points off the bench um, as uh, Brogdon tends to do. Um, so they did look a lot better shooting 42% from three and from the field, 87% from the free throw line. Um, the other side, 26 and 10 for Embiid. Embiid was their uh, tied leading score, but also just their best player in this game. Tyrese Maxey, 26 points, 13 for James Harden. And I've said this before, I'll say it again, if James Harden is not playing his best basketball, and for some players, 13 points is great, but for Harden, that's low. Um, If he's playing like a 13-point game, then you got yourselves a good shot at winning. If James Harden is shooting and scoring and 30 points, 40 points, then it's a whole different ballgame. And uh, when he's not playing great, he's not playing great. Uh, The bench unit for the 76ers did not really give you anything between McDaniels, Nayang, uh, House, Paul Reed, uh, Melton. Um, the leading scorer off the bench was uh, Niang with six points, but um, they just didn't have it going on. Uh, they played a lot more of their bench than the Celtics. The Celtics only played two guys coming off the bench, um, and I don't know if uh, that's going to stick for the next game, but you know this was a must-win game. They took care of business when they needed to, and as much as you can criticize the team for kind of how they've played. Philadelphia is no joke. Like Philadelphia is a great team, and Philadelphia is not a team out there that's going to be a problem uh, for some, uh, but they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams. Uh, and, you know, it's not a cakewalk like Atlanta was. Um, we made the Atlanta series, in my opinion, go longer than it should have. This series with Philadelphia is seven games, and it's a well-deserved seven games because Philadelphia has a great head coach, a great team. It, it's it's not a, you know, Celtics lost a few games and uh, this is a closer series than it should be. Uh, yeah, they did have some games where it was uh, winnable, um, but Philadelphia is not a joke. And they are one of those teams that I said going into the playoffs, Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly have a shot to making it out of the East and nobody else. And I think that's 100% still true. And with uh, Miami moving on, beating the New York Knicks, um, I don't know what the next round looks like because I think every uh, team here has a harder time against the 
the Miami Heat than the Knicks just because of, in our case, we played them last year. Um, and the Knicks, I think, are just easier in general. And Philly probably would have a harder time against Jimmy Butler than uh, they would against the Knicks. So uh, this is definitely a tougher matchup. But, you know, this is going to be a Game 7 coming into it that both teams are going to be putting their uh, their swords down and going all out. And, you know, it's in the Garden. It's in Boston. And, you know, we have all those advantages. But the last time we had a Game 7 in the Garden, it was the Bruins losing to the Panthers. And if you've followed anything, the Panthers just beat... Um, their uh, opponent, which was the Maple Leafs, and so now they are moving on. And so you have um, a team that was the bottom rung moving up the ladder. Uh, you also have the Lakers who won their series, which um, they've been moving up the ladder significantly. Um, it's crazy. Miami and the Lakers are two teams that have the potential to be um, in the uh, finals right now and so I feel like you know all signs are pointing towards um, you know this Celtics team to just make it to the finals because you have a Celtics Lakers rivalry um, which could be ignited and so game six was a victory on to game seven now on to game seven we have a battle of two very good teams and obviously one is going to come out on top and going into this I thought at home, the you know team really had the momentum. Obviously, with the Bruins losing at home in Game Seven, it was tough, uh, and there were a lot of uh, you know flashbacks to that series. Um, and obviously, for Boston and the Bruins, it didn't go that well. But this was the total opposite of that, and it was a huge win for the Celtics in Game Seven at home. Uh, it was a 112-88 victory, and. After the first quarter, Boston just put the pedal to the metal. It was it was good. Um, they ended up uh, in the second quarter uh, outscoring Philly by nine points. Third quarter uh, scored uh, 23 more points um, than Philly, 33 and 10. Uh, and then they ended up scoring 24 in the fourth, and Philly scored 26. But the game was over by that point. It was uh, there wasn't anything really to show for it. Um, Surprisingly, um, the core of the starting lineup played decent. 11 points for P.J. Tucker, 19 for Tobias Harris, 15 for Embiid, 17 for Maxi. But James Harden had 9 points and 7 assists uh, and 6 rebounds. James Harden did not play like James Harden. And in a Game 7, you need your best player or one of your best players to step up. And even Joel Embiid with 15 points and 8 rebounds, like he's got to step up too. And so for... Um, Philly, it wasn't their game, and they shot 37% from the field, uh, 21% from three. Um, it wasn't good, but the Celtics basically stepped their game up and stepped up big time in this game, and it all came at the hands of their man, Jason Tatum, who had 51 points in this historic Game 7 performance. Um... Then you had 25 for Jalen Brown. Um, Al Horford had 10 rebounds and 6 points. Jason Tatum had a double-double. And Malcolm Brogdon had 12 points off the bench. Um, a lot of the other guys uh, off the bench played a few minutes here and there at the end of the game. Brogdon and Derek White played the most um, for sure. Um, but it was Tatum who played 42 minutes in this game. Uh, Horford played 34. Smart played 39. Brown played 41. 
So they played a lot of this game. It was a very good game for uh, the Celtics. And they came into this with sort of this chip on their shoulder a little bit because they had lost some pretty easy winnable games to Philly that got them into a seven-game series in the first place. And now here we are, games later, winning uh, in such an epic fashion. And it wasn't even like a sweat game. In a lot of cases, you have game sevens where it's close in this one, it wasn't. It was a pretty straightforward, you know, victory. And we got this done. And when your best player doesn't play well, your team is not going to win. Um, Joel Embiid played much worse than he does, as did James Harden, whereas the Celtics got what they expected from Jalen Brown, and they got more than expected from Jason Tatum. He stepped up and really showed everyone why he is the man in Boston. I think after the last performance where he kind of stepped up at the end of the game, of game six but really didn't play well in the first three quarters i think he probably wanted to prove to people that he was so good um and that he could do it and he was the man because you know people were saying well why didn't you have a great game why didn't you step up you know and it didn't make too much difference because everyone else kind of filled in the roles but for tatum he basically just told people look i'm an mvp candidate i'm f all nba first team for a reason like i know what i'm doing here and he had that you know, fight in him, and was like, I'm taking over this game. So the Celtics ended up winning in Game 7, and this was a very good game if you're a Celtics fan like myself. Um, so now we move on. We play Miami Wednesday. This is the first game. Um, this is a rematch of last year. And Miami's an 8th seed this year. They beat Milwaukee, um, and they are coming into this against Boston, uh, battling it out after a nice uh, New York Knicks victory, and the Celtics obviously uh, didn't have as easy of a go of it um, in this round, but um, hopefully they can take care of business. I mean, this is an eight seed, so there's a clear reason why the Celtics are where they are and Miami is where they are. Miami's older, and the Celtics are still young, and the Celtics have more depth than last year. If the Celtics go seven games against Miami, there's a big problem that we have. And so I think just in general... There are so many storylines that the NBA can kind of push with the Celtics making it over Philly because you have the Celtics-Lakers, you have Celtics-Miami from last year. You have, you know, a lot of different outcomes. If Golden State had won, it would have been Celtics potentially against Golden State, a rematch of the NBA Finals, and maybe the Celtics get the victory in this one. And so the Philadelphia 76ers really don't have any sort of storylines with really any of these teams outside of the Lakers and the sort of 1980s championship runs and stuff that the 76ers tried to go on. Um, I mean, that's it. Uh, there's no storyline. The team has no reason, you know, to be in the Eastern Conference Finals because it's better for the NBA to have the Celtics in there because it'll bring in more Tatum and the whole situation with the Celtics and these teams um, and the history and I think it's just better. And so we move on, we play Miami, and we keep things going from here. Um, you know, congratulations to this team and congratulations to basically everything that they've done to get to this point. And so, uh, you know, the Celtics have one more step and then they get to the NBA Finals. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, Denver is a very good team. And with Jokic and the Denver Nuggets team, they're very, uh, very good and very well matched with Boston. And it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics, Robert Williams, and Al Horford take on uh, someone like uh, Jokic. Because 
Embiid kind of stretched his range a little bit, which is out of his comfort zone. I didn't think that was where he wanted to be. Jokic can kind of stretch his range and is good at it. So if you're a Robert Williams, you're not going to be in the paint. You might be in the corner. You might be all over the board. So the Celtics, I think, actually having Horford on Jokic makes more sense because of the sort of matchups of it all. And Horford is more of a stretch big. Um, Williams is more of a down low big. And so you might be seeing um, more of Horford in this series instead of Jokic. Honestly, I think they should just keep the starting five with Robert Williams and Horford, Smart, Tatum, Brown. I love Derek White, and he's probably my second favorite Celtics player behind Tatum, but I think they have to keep this five because that's what worked last year, and that's what kind of worked this year, and I think Joe Mazzulla kind of learns as he goes, and you know, they play great, and Tatum played great, the team played great, and that's all that matters, and you know, we're on to the next one.